The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. My next guest now is a multi-award winning novelist who's gone from success to success since her brilliant debut with Unraveling Oliver. And now Liz Nugent is back with her fifth novel, which is a tour de force as she inhabits the life of the principal narrator, Strange Sally Diamond. Liz, good morning and welcome. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. Now, this is a, a book about a woman and strange she is, but the narrative, the basic story is equally strange, if not bizarre. Well, I, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, she is a very strange, atypical character. Um, the book opens with her putting her father, putting her dead father out with the bins because she has taken him literally and although he has left instructions for his funeral, because the envelope that contained all of those instructions said not to be opened until after my death. So she's actually waiting until her birthday to open the envelope because she just gets things wrong. She sees the world in black and white and, you know, she she is not without her flaws, but uh, she is, I suppose we would say today, atypical. But I would like to think of her as honest she says what she thinks, she does what she wants to, and she's very straightforward. She has no filter. No filter. Now, that uh, business of, you know, put me out with the bins, where did the idea come from? Well, it's kind of a jokey conversation I've been having with my husband about, you know, he wants his ashes to be scattered among the 12 bins in Connemara. And I'm saying, well, I, you know, do what you want because I'll be dead. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it won't matter to me what's happening. So uh, put me out with the bins. And so, and then we were kind of having the conversation. I, and afterwards, I was saying, I wonder what would happen if somebody did put you out with the bins. And then I thought, well, what kind of person would do that? And then I came up with Sally, and I just, I, I knew I wanted her to be a little unusual. You know, like when we were in school, there was no diagnoses. People were just, some people were a bit funny or odd yeah. or awkward or, you know, they didn't have the There was no dyslexia, skills. dyspraxia, no, none no, no. of that sort and of stuff. And I just stuff. wanted somebody like that who didn't have a diagnosis. And in fact, her adoptive father in the book is a psychiatrist and has told her that she doesn't fit into any label because her behaviour is so inconsistent. Now, you know, the straightforward narrative would be um, it doesn't quite work out because the domestic incinerator that she uses is not um, <laughs> at a temperature that would ever dispose of uh, human remains. Mm-hmm. So the guards get called and you think that's the way the narrative is going to go. It's about an investigation. Would she be charged with murder? That's not how the narrative no, goes. No, I take a sharp left turn at that point. And uh, in those letters that... that um, her father left for her contains uh, information about her background. Yeah. Now, knew. in the early parts of the book, you do indicate that uh, her background is unknown to her. Her mm-hmm. earliest memories don't go beyond seven years of age. Exactly. Uh, and there's a reason for that, which only unfolds and we can't give too much away. No. Let's just say she had a very traumatic early childhood, which she doesn't remember, has no memory of. Now, that could be, if you like, the confines of the novel, but then there are other characters who come into her life. Yeah, then I turn right. (laughs) (laughs) There's several twists and turns. Yes, another character appears about a third of the way through the novel uh, from the other side of the world. And he knows a lot more about Sally's past than she knows herself. 
as, and the resolution takes several hundred pages, so we, yep. we cannot say any more. Um, your own success has been phenomenal. I mean, it's as well as selling millions of copies of your book, of your books, um, it's award after award. I've been very lucky, very lucky. And, you know, um, I think it, there is a huge amount of luck involved because I came, I think Unraveling Oliver was published kind of on the coattails of Gone Girl and Girl, Girl on a Train. So that kind of domestic noir uh, genre was just coming into its own at that time. So now there are lots of writers who write those kind of domestic, creepy, suspenseful, sinister stories. But, I, you know, I wrote on the inn on those coattails, so I'm very happy to let those writers but it, have that. But it wasn't like riding in easily because how many rejection slips did you have? Oh, God. Um, well, I asked my agents to, to stop telling me after the first 19 rejections. So uh, I don't actually know the full number of rejections, but uh, thank God in the end, Penguin Ireland, so now called rebranded as Sandy Cove, uh, took a chance on me. And yeah. I'm very glad they did. And how did you find out? Um, I I think I was in my mother's garden when I got the call. And um, I, I think she was more excited than I was. That, it, you know, Penguin, first of all, being such an established mm-hmm. publisher and to have the little penguin logo on your book was a dream come come true. So that yeah, it was it was it was a very very happy day. Like most writers that I meet, they will tell me they were writing from an early age. Anyway, even with you know no idea of being published, but as children, they were readers and writers. Was that you? I was certainly a reader. I was an ardent reader. I spent a lot of time in hospital when I was a kid, and you'll find that a lot of sick kids turn out to be writers because... Well, Bram well, Stoker famously yes, was ill and exactly. um, conceived of Dracula at that time. Yeah, I have a few kind of Dracula-type characters in my own <laughs> books. But um, I, I think, you know, nowadays when children are in hospital, you know, all you have to do is give them a phone and that'll occupy them for the whole time. Yeah. But in my day, uh, we, we lost ourselves in books. There was no other distraction. Um, we didn't have... Playstations or stuff like that. So it was books and reading and reading and reading, but not writing, funny enough. I came to that very late. Now, you had several careers before yeah. um, the, the novelist, the current uh, career and lasting career of novelist. Uh, tell me what you did. Um, well, gosh. Uh, I know you wanted to be an actor. I, I did. I trained as an actor, but long before that, I worked uh, for a construction company in London. Then I, I obviously waitressed along the way. But um, I, I was a buyer for a construction company in London. Then I worked in a dole office in London. Then I came home. I worked for the Irish Film and Television Academy, who just announced a nomination. I was kind of a jury selector there. So I got to know a lot of people in the film and TV business. Then I worked on um, a sitcom and a game show for RTE and then... Oh, I, I worked as a, I've forgotten the main part. It was that I worked as a stage manager in theatre for uh, about 15 years and, you know, went from small shows in Andrews Lane to, you know, working in the gate for a couple of years and then touring with Riverdance for two and a half, almost three years as a production stage manager. Mm. Um, and none of this is pointing you towards uh, writing uh, at this stage. Tell me about Fair City. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Fair City. I was there for... 10 years 
but very much on the administration side, not really writing and being frustrated because I wasn't writing. And at this stage, did you start writing when you were working on Fair City? Yeah, I I mean, the very first thing I wrote was a short Sunday miscellany piece for um, uh, that Sunday morning show. And then I wrote a short story and entered that into the Francis McMahon's competition and that was shortlisted. Then, this is all while I was working for Fair City, I wrote um, a six-part animation series for T.G. Cahar and then I wrote the pilot of a, a TV uh, drama. Never went anywhere, but I won um, a European Broadcasting Union competition with that. Then I wrote another uh, drama. The, the brief was you have to write a, a drama set in a hotel room half an hour in Irish Oscar and um, it was one of four winners of that competition. Okay, so you're doing all this writing and still you're working in admin mm-hmm. as a story associate in yeah. Fair City. You must have been thinking, you know, when is my break going to come? When am I going to st- stop doing what I'm doing and doing what I really want to do? Was there a moment? No, it was just all the time that I was working there. I was working on this book on Unraveling Oliver. Like over the court, because that bo- that job was so intensive, such hard work that um, I didn't get a lot of time. So it took me six or seven years to write Unraveling Oliver, which is quite a short novel. But um, it took me quite a while to um, get that to a finishing point. But as soon as it was accepted um, and I got my publishing deal, I took a two-year leave of absence. And then um, after two years, I had to go back but I only lasted five months because then I got another book deal. Um, also, you learned something from uh, the, the the business of being a script associate on episodic television. Yeah. The secret of the soap. What is the secret of the soap? I think the secret of the soap is to leave an episode on such a cliffhanger that the viewer wants to tune in the next day. And that's what you do at the end that's of every right. chapter. That's what I try and do at the end of every chapter is hook, hook the reader so that they come back or so that they don't want to put the book down. Now your success is of course uh, local but it's also international and transatlantic. How did that come about? Oh, that came about it was just after I had given up the day job for good and I had you know three or four irons in the pie of like an Arts Council application and various bursaries I'd applied for and a TV drama series I'd been asked to pitch and all of them had just um, failed. Like literally every... every, I I kind of left RT thinking, oh, well, I have so many options now and literally one after the other, they were all turned down. And suddenly, and I knew I was going to New York for... um, just a, a reading in a library, but I wasn't even published in, in, in America at the time. But on the way over, on the flight, um, I got a message. I, I had Wi-Fi because um, I, had to, I was bumped up to business class by a pal. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I got a message, a uh, text message on the flight because you only get Wi-Fi in business class. <laughs> I got a message on the flight to say that... Um, Simon and Schuster in America had uh, bought my first two novels. Wow! So yeah, that was a dream come true. So I've been backwards and forwards to America and Canada, and you know, how have they I've, performed in those markets? Pretty. I've been number one in Canada. I haven't really troubled the New York Times bestseller list yet, as I say. But um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm ever hopeful that uh, a breakthrough 
to sort of mainstream America, but Canada... Canada is very warm start. and fuzzy feelings towards me. It's a good me. start. Yeah. And what about the big or the small screen? Oh, um, there's one book that is still uh, optioned by um, a production company here in Ireland, which I'm very pleased about. The other three have been picked up and then the options lapsed and um, Sally Diamond, I think, is going to go out. Um, it's going to be sent out around about now, I think, to uh, my Los Angeles film agent CAA. So they will be putting it out and about and, you know, look forward to seeing what happens there. Now, you have a busy time uh, around the publication of this. Uh, you're going to be interviewed by Sinead Crowley in the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary on the 26th of March. So yes. if people want to hear more from Liz, uh, that's uh, the place to go. You can check out paviliontheatre.ie. That's in association with Sandy Cove publishing and uh, Murder One Crime Writing Festival which sounds intriguing. It is. It's very dark and very mysterious and it's great fun. I saw, by the way, in one of the reviews written about the book, uh, they uh, dubbed the term Rural Noir. Yeah. In fact, Sinead Crowley who's interviewing me, she has wrote a novel last year called The Belladonna May, so it was set in Roscommon and a lot of this book um, is set in Roscommon. So we're qu- trying to make Roscommon Noir a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Roscommon Noir. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and uh, finally, um, you're a reader as well as a writer. Mm-hmm. What are you reading at the moment? What are well, you enjoying? I think my best recommendations I can give you are, are two books. One is, um, if you like police procedurals, you can't go wrong with Jane Casey. And she has a new book out called The Close which was published on the same day as mine. And it's fantastic, absolutely brilliant. You don't really have to have read the rest of the series to get into it. And the other, I would say, is um, Old God's Time by Sebastian Murray, which is just exquisitely written and a deeply, um, deeply moving story of a retired policeman looking back on his own life yeah. and the and life that of his family. And that is a book of intrigue. Sebastian was in uh, talking to us about it, so um, oh. thoroughly uh, recommended as well. But for the moment, the current book, which all of the programme, all of my colleagues are reading as well and Fantastic. enjoying enormously, Strange Sally Diamond, it is called. It's published by Sandy Cove, which is an imprint of Penguin Books, and its author, Liz Nugent. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme today. Thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.